Thank you for listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, the best ways are to leave a five-star review and subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore. And welcome to another episode of the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. I'm with not the entire crew, unfortunately, uh, but I am with Lucas, Bart, Wyatt. Uh, this is Jared. And unfortunately, Aiden's not going to be joining us, but we still got a jam-packed episode. Some NBA talk for you. Uh, we're going to start off, of course, with some news we missed. Um, Jalen Rose voted for Kyrie Irving to make the third team, uh, third team All-NBA. He was the only person to do so. Any thoughts on that? I just feel like yeah, this officially move. puts to this officially puts to the bed uh, the conversation athletes like to say where if you didn't play the game you can't comment on you know <laughs> you know what you don't know anything about the game of basketball or football this officially puts that to rest that Jalen Rose voted for Kyrie Irving the only person to do so I think it's a stupid vote and uh, thank you Jalen for that <laughs> yeah yeah one hundred percent a reputation pick. Mm-hmm. Oh, for yeah. sure. I'm also shocked to find out he had a vote. I did not know Jalen Rose was a voter. Yeah, yeah, I didn't either. I don't know how did they even pick the voters. A uh, bribery or something? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knows? It's an auction. Yeah. Is there is there like a like a retirement age, or do they just get to do it <laughs> forever? <laughs> no. Yeah. In other news. Uh, Chet Holmgren said to Luca, "I'll see you out there next year." I'm not sure what the context was for that. Was he at a game or something, or like what? What did that? When did that happen? I only saw the quote on Bleacher Report. <laughs> okay, so I was equally as confused as to why he said anything at all. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he was implying that he was going to be on the Warriors next year, or if he was going to be playing with Luca next year, or if he was going to carry the Magic or the Thunder to the Western Conference Finals next year. I think he'll definitely carry the Thunder, you know? Couldn't be a better team. Like, I don't know what else, yeah, he could be talking about. I mean, like, he's not going to slide past, like, pick three. So, like, it's got to be, like, I'm going to carry a team, which is, which is a level of confidence a person can have, I guess. It's more delusion, don't you think? (laughs) Remember when someone asked him him who the best player in the league is, right? And he was like, me in three months or whatever. Yeah, he did say that. (laughs) He... Yeah, he's like that. <laughs> Those Minneapolis guys, they're uh, they're cocky. True. Yeah, you do you got to be confident if you're going to be in the NBA. He graduated from the Patrick Beverly School of Media. <laughs> Just say whatever you want. <laughs> Speaking of yeah. confident, Jimmy Butler pulled up for a transition 3 in the final seconds of game 7 and received the notes say heavy criticism. I don't know if he's received heavy criticism. Okay, so maybe I'm just putting my opinion out there. I just think it's stupid that he's receiving heavy criticism. Somebody, I don't know if it was Spolstra or Butler that said this, here in the right to take that shot. I'm fine with it. I will heavily criticize him. Oh it's like, it's gosh. just not a good basketball play. You, you have, like, the shot clock's turned off. He's not a good three-point shooter. I realize he carried them that game and carried them in the series. But that being said, taking a transition three when you're not a good three-point shooter and your team is down by two... Or one. Was it two or one at that point? They were down by two. Two. Two, two yeah. Three. So, like, there's no reason to take that shot at that there's point. There's a reason to take the lead. That's a reason. 
Yeah, but it's not a good. It's not a high percentage. He hit that shot. He literally hit that shot in the first half. So what are the same exact second half? You know, love averages. You're not gonna. I don't. I just think it's like there's so many better things that they could have done. Then they had 22 seconds to like draw something up, figure something out, and he just like pulled up a transition three. I don't think it's a good play. I don't know. Shooter, shoot. Bart, are you agreeing? You're nodding. Uh, yeah. I mean, I basically I agree with everybody. <laughs> I understand why oh. Jimmy did it. I uh, like, yeah. People on Reddit were like, if he makes it, he's crowned, you know, like the king of Miami or whatever, because it would have been an iconic, like an all-time iconic shot. And Spolstra said he was fine with it, which makes it better too. But I also agree with Lucas that it doesn't make sense from a numbers point of view. I just but like when you're that, like when you're on the fast break and there's like barely any time left, like I can't fault them for not thinking super. Clearly. I mean, I understand that it was Al Horford and he had he could absolutely take advantage of the matchup and drive to the lane, but he had enough space to shoot the three. And if they get the the two, then they have to go get a stop at the other end, and then go and play, you know, in an overtime basketball game. I don't think that there was any guarantee that they were going to win. The highest chance for them to win, in my opinion, was the shot that he took. And if, if he makes it or not, you know, it's what happens when you're the guy on the team. You're going to make and you're going to miss a handful of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I wouldn't have missed, personally. I wouldn't have let that happen. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on. The <laughs> This is why it's nowhere here. The sport with the quote-unquote honor code welcomes another member into the prestigious cheater club. <laughs> uh, Michigan pitcher Willie Weiss used a foreign substance on his glove uh, while pitching and was suspended a couple games or something. Uh, what's your, what are your thoughts on that, Wyatt? I think at this point there are more people who don't cheat in the game of ba- baseball than there are people who do <laughs> wow. cheat. And Willie Weiss is looking up to uh, his idol, which would be every player to ever play the game of baseball. You got to cheat to win. I mean, I, I respect their competitive nature. I'll give them that. Seems... <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a but, fun but don't but don't flip your bat. Don't flip your bat. Otherwise, Willie's gonna have a problem with that. He was only suspended for like eight games, I think. Which I don't know how how much longer the rest of their season is, but I feel like they're getting up on the College World Series at this point. I think so. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. From a headline, it did not seem severe to me. <laughs> <laughs> and in our final news, we missed the Nets have deferred taking the 76ers' first round pick until next year which they got in the Ben Simmons trade. Any thoughts on that? I guess they're betting on the Sixers being bad next year or worse than they were this year. If they give Harden a Supermax, then they will be worse. So we'll oh, do you want to book we'll that? See. We'll see. No. I'll book it. I'll book it on Jared's behalf. <laughs> that yeah. was pretty off the cuff. There's so. also there's a, there's rumblings of Joel Embiid possibly seeking his own way out, mm. You know, talking about how Miami need another star. Of course, he, he tweeted that he loves – Jimmy Butler, they have a great relationship. I could see it happening. Mm, I don't know. I don't think here's I the summer plan: Supermax, James Harden, trade Embiid. <laughs> you have the next five years. I would never watch another Sixers game. <laughs> that would be my reaction. I would never watch another Sixers. Wait, game. you were a huge fan of Harden like two episodes ago. What happened? <laughs> I, mean, I was not a huge fan. I said I think they're kind of hamstrung to the fact where like they have to sign Harden again. Like, hamstrung because Harden's been dealing with hamstring. No injuries. pun intended. No. <laughs> You know me. That's kind of insensitive, but um, let's dive into our first real segment of the episode, and let's wrap a bow on Luca talk for the rest of this postseason, probably for a couple (laughs) months, hopefully. 
As the Warriors gentlemen swept the Mavs last week um, on route to the finals. First off, Lucas, are you finally ready to apologize to me? Second question, what does Luka need to make a trip to the finals, whether it's supporting cast or um, elements of his game, as Lucas flips me the bird? <laughs> I um, I don't know what I'm apologizing for. That's why I'm angry. For being wrong. Luka played well, but the team is not as set up as it currently is to win. And this is, again, another textbook piece of evidence that if you have one player that has a 40% usage rate, you're never going to win because basketball is a team game and you need more All right, than so let's make him better. Let's guy. make his team better. Okay, listen. I, you have not even listened to my argument yet, so we'll chill out for a second. So listen, I was just inviting point, we, know, we know how good Luka is and his splits in the series are evidence of that. He got 32 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists per game. That's great. Um, he was a little bit worse like efficiency-wise in the regular season. He was 41.5% from the field versus 45.7%. 34% from 3 versus 35.5% from 3. So like a little bit less efficient, but... Not bad overall, and that just happens in the playoffs when people are playing better defense. So, Luka's overall performance in this series, excellent. Um, but I think a little bit of the dip in numbers and performance is not only due to the fact that the playoffs are harder, but the fact that he has to shoulder the burden from the team and is the only great, and I would say maybe even only like really good player on the team. Um, and when they're playing the way they do, the cast around him, there's no way they can win a title. Like, as good as Luka is, like, we see it in an 07 with LeBron. Like, you can have the best player in history on your team and still not win a title for years and years because your supporting cast is bad. And I think that's just, like, absolutely true with Luka and the Mavs. And I think you also saw it with Jokic and the Nuggets, who, you know, Jokic, an all-timer. We we love him on the show. Some <laughs> of us do more than others, I guess. But he does not have a good supporting cast around him either. And when he came up against the Warriors, he did the exact same thing Luka did. Got gentlemen swept. Um... So I just think that it's like it's another like you look at the Jokic series, you look at the Luka series, or I guess the Nuggets and the Mavs series, and it's the exact same result. You have a elite player on your team, but they can't do it because their supporting cast is just bad. Dinwiddie, Brunson aren't guys who are going to cut it as number two or three players on a championship team. They're a good like rotation player, I think, on a championship team. But if they're your second best players, it's not going to cut it. So yeah, my overall takeaway is that like Luka is great. I think we all agree with that on this show. But as a team is currently set up, they are never going to win. And no matter how good Luka is, you can't win a championship when one guy is your entire offense, essentially. Because uh, basketball is a team game. And he, Luka, even though he's a probably top five player in the NBA, cannot carry you to a title. And so I think this just, this just shows that the Mavs have to swing for the fences and get like a second star. Because I think even a second star could make the Mavs title contenders. Like, I don't think they need to, like, do, like, big three or anything like that. I think Luka is good enough that if you have another guy who's, like, comparably good, I think, or not even comparably good, but, like, somewhere in the range of, like, star, I think you'd immediately become close to finals favorites. Who? Who is that guy? I don't know. Maybe Zach Levine or something like that. <clears throat> if he's available mm. this offseason. I think that's, like, a name that immediately comes to mind. Yeah, it's it's. I hear people sometimes saying that they want to see Luca and Jokic play together. I think because like mm-hmm. they're both you know Europeans or whatever, and there's that kind of camaraderie there. But that would be mm-hmm. a terrible pairing. Luca needs to be paired with somebody who is like better off the ball and doesn't need to have the ball in his hands like you know a bunch <clears> of the time. So Levine, I know, has played some point guard, but he would be good because he can he can spot up, he can just shoot. I like that as well. Maybe maybe he would do well with a big man as well. A good big man, that is. Uh, what about I think, an off the ball name? 
What about Zion Williamson? <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> Who is currently Don't at odds with his, with, he's currently at odds with his own organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it comes down to it and the Pelicans decide not to pay Zion a Supermax contract, the five years, 170. What if there was a situation where the Dallas Mavericks could swoop in and pair Zion with Luka? I feel like they'd be a fantastic pairing together. And, you know, although Zion, to me, leaves a little bit to be desired from the defensive end, uh, I think also he would not be the central playmaker and focal point of an offense, and he'd be able to play off the ball pretty well. I actually can see it happening uh, if, if they were able to do it. I know that he's not exactly the name of a disgruntled star, and the Pelicans cannot afford to lose another disgruntled superstar like they did Chris Paul and Anthony Davis. But I can definitely see a situation where Zion or Zion's camp tell him to pack his bags and run, and the Mavericks end up finding their own way to swoop him up and and make him home over in Dallas. Yeah, I don't think that's a terrible move. Yeah, I mean, I would would love that. I just don't see it happening. I don't know about that. That seems... Yeah, I just it also is Zion like you you need your best abilities availability, which Zion has not proven he can do at all yet. Mm-hmm. I'd be really worried about that. I think the focus though shouldn't necessarily be on getting Luca a number two. It's more on like getting players that are uniquely uniquely suited to making a good team great. Like there's not not really there are certain ta- certain players can make a bad team good. But they're not going to make a good team great. I'd say James Harden is one of those players. He'll make a bad team really good, but he won't make a good team great. And at a certain point, there's going to be diminishing returns for those sorts of players. So I think it doesn't need to be a big-name star. It just needs to be players that have skill sets that Luka doesn't have or that aren't on the court when Luka's not on the court. For example, when Luka's not on the court, I like keeping Jalen Brunson because he, he's like an, he can be an isolation scorer. And I think with the way the Mavs run, run their offense, maybe they want to change that. They still need that. That being said, it's a, it's a high-value skill, but it's not scalable, obviously. You can't, you can't do two isolation scores, right, when Luke is playing. That's when you need the spacers, the creators, and the passers because um, those are like a little more scalable from team to team, those sorts of skills, rather than an isolation uh, player is. So... I, I also don't have specific players. I was trying to do some calculations on like cheapest players per win share, which hopefully maybe I'll come up with that in the <laughs> next episode. But um, I, yeah, I think like just people that can not only space the floor, but I think also a dominant post presence would help them a lot because a lot of times they would just stand on the arc. Luca would drive in and kick out. That's like kind of their thing. And then they, then that's dependent on them hitting threes, which they didn't even really do that well. You know what I mean? So those are my worries about the team. For Luca too, I I do, I love him, but I really want to see him commit to defense and to stop arguing with the refs so much. That really got on my nerves in the playoffs. How much he was yelling at the refs. Yeah, it's the same beef I have with Embiid. I feel like too, where it's like he just will yell at the refs a lot and like not get back on defense. But for guys, I think you're talking about that make like good teams great. And I think you mentioned like the sort of like deficiencies the Mavs had in hitting threes. Like I'd love a guy like. I don't think this will happen for a lot of reasons, but like a PJ Tucker or a Danny Green or like a type of guy like that on a team who like consistently are winners, are three and D guys, and are just like gritty and can like can make those threes and also play really good D. And I think just like elevate the play of everybody around them. So like Danny Green is probably done for his career, honestly, at this point with a torn ACL, um, and PJ Tucker is not going to leave the Heat. But like a guy of that sort of genre of player, I think would really good for the Mavs. Yeah. 
Agreed. Anybody else have uh, thoughts on paying Jalen Brunson, whether that's a mistake or the right move? They also didn't have, also, I didn't mention, they didn't have Tim Hardaway this year either, or at least uh, for most of the year, not in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And he was the a really problem, good player in that last run, I thought. The problem with Jalen Brunson, for me, is the price that will probably be of, let's say, I don't think you're going to get him for 10 to $15 million. I think he's, it's going to come at the price of $30 million or so. He is. He had Jaylen the best Brunson? year. He's had the best year of his career so far, in the final year of his contract, and those are always two really poor things for an organization to have to deal with when it comes with a player who's who's breaking out finally. Where, you know, now he has higher projected upside, but realistically, I don't know if we truly believe Jalen Brunson is going to get much better from where he's at right now, uh, but. All the all of the breakout numbers would suggest, and his agent would be able to suggest that we're actually only getting better from here, and you need to pay us a price point of a second star, or we decide to go somewhere else. So, if the price point happens to come down to twenty-five to thirty million dollars, there's no way I would do it. I'd rather leave that space for a Zach Levine or a Bradley Beal if it were to become available, uh, rather than tie up Jalen Brunson, who I think is a really good complimentary piece, but. Like his his most value, the most value you were gonna get out of him was the value that you got out of him this year, mm. I think. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Mavs are the Mavs are hamst to use hamstrung again. Their cap space is not great, so I don't know what they would do if they dropped him. Like they're, I think they would just get worse. I saw the number I saw thrown around was twenty million. And I know Lucas earlier you said that you don't you don't like him as a number two or a number three. I think he would be fine as their number three. Twenty million would put him at sixtieth highest paid in the league, which seems fine for a number three, but not if he's gonna be their number two. I agree with you, Wyatt, that if they have to pay him too much and they think that he's gonna be the guy behind Luca, then that's a no-go for me. Uh the problem again though is like even if they re-sign him and they're still thinking about getting another star, it's just not going to happen like in this upcoming season. They need to be thinking two or three years down the line. Um, they're, they're kind of screwed right now. <clears throat> yeah. Those realities always hurt. Mm-hmm. But they could make a trade. There, There is a trade. Yeah. I, I, I also said they're never going to get rid of Chris Tops, and then they did that. So, yeah. Right. Can figure it out. Yeah. <clears throat> I just think right now the Mavericks are at a very important position you know in pivotal position of their franchise's trajectory and this is a point where i think the grizzlies are at where the it's almost the opposite point the rest of the team did so well without john morant they now have to find a way to fit john morant into that system so everybody can thrive together i think it's going to be a very similar thing now with luca is that Luca, his his professional comp is LeBron James. He's the closest player to play that plays like LeBron James right now, as far as like a playmaker. Um, obviously, he's not as great of a defender or athlete as LeBron James was, but as far as just like from an offensive standpoint, um, the playmaking, shot creation ability of his own, he's he's LeBron. And I think the mm-hmm. thing that LeBron had struggled with throughout his career uh, at, at moments is that he is the system, and he's not a part of the system. Everything plays off of him, and I would challenge the Mavs to find a way to make Luca fit more into the system. He can be the the engine that moves all the cogs, but as far as like 
getting everybody else involved. That's all we ever heard about during this postseason. He's got to get his guys involved. He's got to get Jalen Brunson involved. Spencer did when he involved. And there there has to be a way for the Mavericks to put Luka into a system, kind of, at least be the conductor of the system. So that way everybody can thrive together, especially if they do decide to keep Jalen Brunson. They can't just roll out the same thing that they did this year because they, they were slow in the third quarters coming and they didn't close games. Or they closed games relatively well, but it was always too late for them to – to be able to actually close it out all the way. So there, there's stuff that they have to do in order to make it all work. If they're going to decide to play in two or three years down the road, they have to at least become not in the Warriors, but the Warriors play within a system very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. All And let's move on to the Warriors, the team that beat the Mavs, to obviously punch their ticket to this, the sixth time to the NBA Finals to face the Boston Celtics. <laughs> Bart, uh, what do you think are the keys to success for each team, and like, what else should we be looking for in this series? Yeah, it's a it's going to be a very good series, I think. Um, the most simplistic, high level answer is it's a battle of the Warriors' elite offense against the Celtics' elite defense. Um, obviously, they're 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 both competent on the other sides of the ball, but I think that's going to be the biggest thing to look out for. So I'm just going to run through. I have like a bunch of things for each team in no particular order of importance. So like, yeah, like I just said, I think the main, main thing for the Warriors is how are they going to fare against the Celtics defense? Um, the Celtics, obviously, like they've got a bunch of guys who can switch. They switch everything Uh, I think they have the defenders to handle and keep tabs on Curry, Poole, Clay, maybe even Draymond to an extent. So can the Warriors' other guys step up? Can Andrew Wiggins perform as well as he did against the Mavs? Can Kevin Looney perform as well as he did against the Mavs? I think the Warriors are going to need to rely on some role players a lot more um, than maybe they have in in past finals. Um, How will the Warriors rebound? especially on offense one like weird thing is that they dominated the, the Mavs offensive rebounding wise last series even though the Warriors are not like in the regular season I don't think they were a particularly good rebounding team and the thing is the Celtics aren't a particularly great rebounding team either so this is another way that the Warriors can win themselves more possessions in a series that will probably feature a lot of missed shots and so more possessions are going to be important uh, keep an eye on Steph Curry I think this is a really interesting storyline because like you know you hear everybody talking about how Steph hasn't won a finals MVP yet uh, but this seems like it's going to be his year. But then again, like maybe Clay goes off, maybe Poole goes off. Um, the thing about Steph is that we know teams hunt him defensively. They try to tire him out so that he doesn't play as well offensively. So can he still dominate and put up a lot of points despite the fact that the Celtics are going to do the exact same thing and try to take him out of the game? Um, and then one last small thing for the Warriors, home games. Interestingly enough, they're undefeated in home games this off, uh, this postseason. So it, mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of predictions saying the series is going to go seven. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's just home wins all the way around. Uh, if the mm-hmm. Warriors can defend their home court, I think they're going to have it locked up. On the Celtics side, the single most important thing is injuries, specifically those of Robert Williams and Marcus Smart. Uh, if Robert Williams can be healthy, that's huge for them. We know, like I talked about this in some episode about how he was a defensive player of the year candidate. If they can have him around switching, defending the paint, things like that, it's going to be really important for them because he is probably the most important player on their defense. I know Marcus Smart won defensive player of the year. I don't care. Marcus <laughs> Smart also was injured, though, and he's going to be the main thing for defending Curry. I think they're going to have Smart chasing Curry around all over the floor. They're going to try to have – because like, you need a player with a lot of energy. 
to keep up with Curry, who runs off the ball all the time. I think Marcus Smart is probably their go-to guy for that. So if he's hobbled, that's also going to kind of screw up their defensive game plan a bit. So that's important. Um, I mentioned switching earlier. This is another thing. How are the Celtics going to be able to take down the Warriors' offense? They switch everything. They switch the most of any team in the regular season. None of the teams that the Warriors played in the postseason this year were uh, above average on switching. So the Warriors haven't really faced a team that's like, quote-unquote, elite at this. So that's going to be an interesting, really, uh, really interesting matchup to watch. And then lastly, look out for the Celtics' offense. This really concerns me for them. They go stagnant so often that they have stretches where they can't do anything. The last four and a half minutes of the game against the Heat, they almost blew it. Why? Because they couldn't, they literally, in the last four minutes and 28 seconds, they didn't make a single shot. And the Heat almost came back. And so if Jimmy had made that shot that we talked about earlier, they would have won. So I think everybody was super relieved that Jimmy missed it because the Celtics did not have another bucket in them. So they're going to need to try to do something to get a little bit more offense generated. Otherwise, this Warriors team might might run them out the door because the Warriors are not going to have problems like this offensively. I mean, you might be able to lock them down here and there, but the Celtics need to make sure that they don't go cold from the field like this. Tatum needs to make sure he doesn't go cold. Like he's had some complete duds in these playoffs with like like four of 19, like three of 14 games like that. They're going to need Tatum to be the all-star, the, all, the first team all-pro that he was this year. Uh, and he's going to have to carry them through some of their colder stretches. So... I think those are some of the most important things. I'm curious what, what y'all's thoughts are, though. Yeah, I think the Williams thing that you mentioned, too, is maybe, like, the biggest part of it, too, especially because, like, the Warriors have struggled so much when they play against good shot blockers and good rim protectors. Um, looking at, like, the, the Memphis series, uh, Jaron Jackson in that series had 15 blocks in six games. So if, like, they have somebody even comparable like they can do that to the Warriors, I feel like that will cause issues because I think the Celtics are overall a better team than the Grizzlies are, and if the Grizzlies could like put up some of a fight against the Warriors because they had such good rim protectors and such good shot blockers, um, of which you know Williams will be one for the Celtics, I think that could cause real issues. So I think like like you said, Bart, he's the most important player on their defense, and I think if they win, it'll be like largely attributable to him. Also, interesting side note: ESPN did like their their basketball power index like prediction for the game. They gave the Celtics an eighty six percent chance to win the series. Just kind of nuts. Really? It does not seem right to me. That yeah. doesn't seem right to me either. Yeah, that seems wrong. I'm more with Vegas. Vegas is usually usually more right than ESPN is, but I don't know. Yeah. ESPN is never right. Is <laughs> <laughs> Vegas they always, they always say Notre Dame is going to go undefeated. So I mean, read into that what you will. Pretty close most years. Yeah. Yeah, it means nothing. Anyway, off topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will, I will say this. Steph is clearly the best player in this series, but I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are two and three by a long shot. And then I'm going to give respect to Draymond, but then it's probably Smart Horford and then Clay and Wiggins and then Rob Will, or depending on where you want to rank Poole, somewhere in there. But I think that one through five, the Celtics are probably better than the Warriors starting lineup. And obviously, like you guys said, that the, the Celtics are better than the Grizzlies, but the Heat or the Warriors are way better than the Heat were. And at least as far as like they have to switch out, the Heat had to switch out offensive guys for defensive guys. They couldn't, they didn't have fantastic two way players the same way that the Warriors do. So I'm going to give the Warriors a little bit more credit here as far as their ability to be able to win this. Is I think, I think the one thing is that they have a lot of guys who on a given night can go out for 20, for 20 points. Andrew Wiggins did it against the Mavs. Uh, a lot of people like Nick Wright on Fox and, and FS1, or excuse me, first things first, said that 
Andrew Wiggins and Kevon Looney were the mismatch here. And then they both ended up having fantastic series against the Mavs. So as far as the ability to win games, I think the Warriors are a better closeout team than the Celtics were. Bart, you said in the last four minutes of that Heat game. I just think that the Celtics show a lot of, let's say, immaturity. I I feel like that's an unfair word to use, especially because it's normally tied with them being so young. But we also forget how poorly that they played at the beginning of this year before they ended up going on this really long stretch. I think that the Celtics still have a little bit of their old self within their, their play style and their identity, and it has caused them to crumble in moments of games where it's like this just feels like this is this should be easy and the Warriors are the the best team in the league right now at getting easy buckets I think yeah and one thing we can't discount too I was reading the um the NBA's official preview of like the series that they have on their website and they called the uh, the Celtics a team of destiny which we all know is the kiss of death in Uh-oh. terms of actually oh, succeeding my. so Uh-oh. I thought it was us using that specifically so now you've done it <laughs> the Celtics are a team of destiny I'll say it right now to curse them because I want the Warriors to win but you know why do you want the Warriors to win I don't like the Celtics oh I strongly disagree I want the Celtics to win. I want the Celtics I want I want Warriors actually wow I think the Warriors are like really endearing in a way that they haven't been in a long like this this feels like Jared, 2015 you were on the Warriors train all Warriors. throughout the start, the start of this season and all of a sudden you're switching to the Celtics was I on the Warriors train they're they oh, were yeah. fun to watch you were like then... oh Warriors are going to the final I'm pretty sure you called this well before <laughs> I'll take it the year even began and you I can't take it. it anymore I don't even know <laughs> if that's true I feel like that is true. I was high on the Warriors preseason. You were very high on the Warriors at the at the beginning of the year. Yeah. I don't know. I just think there are a lot of likable guys. There. I think Steve Kerr is likable. I think Steph's likable. I think Clay, the whole comeback story. Do you think Draymond like, Green cool. is likable? I He's got that dog in him. You know, I like him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree. I'm just so tired of them. The Celtics yeah, are new. Tired. Tired. interesting. You know, but they're I, not. It's like this isn't the KD like Warriors. This is like a whole different right. thing. I feel The like. 2016 like Warriors, I didn't like them either. You didn't? Oh, I no. love the 2016 Warriors. Mm. I mean, like, I wanted LeBron to Because they smiled while they played basketball. Katie exactly. or not, exactly. they've been in six of the past eight finals, so it's... Yeah. I, I, I like to opt for the side of history. I want to see the Warriors win. I want to see Steph get four. I want to see him get a finals MVP. I want to see a guy who is probably going to finish in the top ten of players all time, roughly. Yeah, from the start to finish of his career, I think that it'd be very rare for us to see LeBron and Steph and Giannis and Luca and KD. Mm-hmm. Like I'd rather opt for history to to fare more on their side, and maybe Jason Tatum is gonna be the next step in history. But you know, that's the same reason why I root for Patrick Mahomes. It's I want to see him win five or so because mm-hmm. then it's more interesting from a history standpoint. No, for sure. But I do want to ask, what is this, speaking of KD, Wyatt, or Bart, I, I know you wanted to go on this too, whoever. What does this Warriors run say about oh, KD? Don't get me started. If, if the Warriors win, KD needs to retire. What? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It just looks so bad. KD mm-hmm. got swept this year. The Warriors won the fi- finals before he joined them, and if they won one after he joined them, it would literally look like he just tagged along for the ride when they won those mm-hmm. two with him. It's it would already, look so that bad. Already, isn't that already what it looks like, though? Well, no, but it's... <laughs> if they win after, then it's just solidifying it because they only won one without him, right? So that is like yeah. you could argue is kind of like you know, coincidental. Okay. 
but I mean, this really, and the fact that they got swept this year just makes it look even worse. I mean, it would just be, and the, like he still tries to defend himself as joining the Warriors not being a, a bad, like a bad decision or a cowardly decision or what have you. I, yeah. Sorry, why? What were you going to say? No, I, oh, go ahead. So here's the only thing that I think that Kevin Durant can latch on to is that this is an entirely different team as far as Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins and all of that. And they needed Kevin Durant. That when you get Kevin Durant, you sacrifice your depth, and they needed Kevin Durant to play as spectacular as he did play in the series in order to win. If Kevin Durant wants to latch onto anything, it has to be that. I do agree, though, that it it kind of anybody who already didn't think that he that those rings matter, that they have a mental asterisk next to them, you you're not going to be able to sway them from this point. Even the fact that they made the finals, mm-hmm. I yeah. think it just looks. It really does look like it. It looks like, okay, well, Steph was clearly the best player on that team. I mean, he's – and like I said, if they win it this year, Steph's probably one of the ten best players to ever play the game of basketball. And yeah, when you play alongside – even if Steph was selfless, even if people say Kevin Durant was the best player on that team, I don't think people can actually really definitively prove that anymore. If the case – obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, but if the case now today is that – Steph has four rings and Kevin Durant got swept in the first round. It's going to look really, really, really bad, especially from Kyrie Irving's standpoint as well, being a guy who left the Boston Celtics and they have continuously gotten better without mm-hmm. him. Yep. Like almost like every single year, they, they've gotten closer to winning a championship than the years that they actually had him with. I think it hurts his legacy a lot more than it does because both LeBron James won a ring and probably the Celtics – might win another might win a ring without Kyrie Irving while he is kind of floated around basketball ether. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had in my notes that like I feel like it says that like, you know, when Katie joined the Warriors, they went from like a ninety eight out of a hundred team to like a hundred out of a hundred team, which like in the grand scheme of things is like not that big a difference. Like they were an elite team before and after and he just made like a little bit of a difference. But like I don't know, like why you made the point earlier that like KD needed to play as well as he did in order for them to win those two titles. I don't know if I necessarily agree. Like, I think even their, like, one title loss in that run, the 2016 one with LeBron, was, like, super fluky and involved LeBron being essentially superhuman to, like, drag them back from the 3-1 deficit. Like, I'm not convinced that KD made, like, and his performances in, like, the, what was that, 2017 and 2018 finals made, like, that big of a difference in terms of them winning the titles either of those years. Like, I think you take him off that team... I think they still probably win both those titles as well. Yeah, I just think if you take them off the team, the team is constructed differently. So it's kind of yeah. weird. It's a different argument to make, but yeah, no, that's I get what you're saying. I do agree with the 98 to 100 to 100 out of 100. Yeah, it's just like not in the grand scheme of things. I feel like it didn't make that much of a difference, honestly. But What about Clay Thompson? Steph- How much of a difference does he make? Today? Yeah, today. Yeah. He, I don't know. To this yeah. year's team. He's weird because, like, he can still get you, like, you know, 30, 40, but it's, it's like, occasionally now, right? It, it honestly uh, feels like his role has been supplemented, like, across mm-hmm. the board as far as, like, Andrew Wiggins is now the number one defender. Um, Gary Payton kind of shares that. But then Jordan Poole was kind of, like, taking a little bit more of that scoring punch. Mm-hmm. I, he's uh, obviously, Clay Thompson is. Also, one of the greatest shooters we've ever seen play the game, but oh yeah, absolutely. It's a uh, God. It feels like it's so hard to measure his impact right now. At least, just you know, because he was like the the best three and D guy in the league. 
So mm-hmm. I don't know if he has that title anymore. Interesting thing to know before we wrap it up too. Steph, if he wins this, uh, if he wins a ring this year, will have as many as LeBron, which I feel like is kind of interesting. That's what I'm saying. That's history. Yeah, well, if yeah. LeBron had two seasons with Durant. Yeah, no, I, it's... yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to get into it. I don't think that means that Steph is better than LeBron, but I just think it's like, yeah, like in terms well, of like legacy discussions, I think it's. LeBron has played with Dwayne Wade, Kyrie Irving, and Anthony Davis. I, so. No. I've never seen it like Kevin Durant in those finals was unstoppable. He was extraordinary. LeBron has never had a teammate that good. Uh, but yeah, we it's I beside mean, the right, point. But I'm saying. But yeah, saying. yeah. And unfortunately, we don't have our Kevin Durant because Aiden's gone, but we're all going to keep it together emotionally, uh, physically. We'll all be here. It's going to do it for this Tuesday. Or no, it's not even Tuesday. But this is a later episode for this Thursday edition of the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. Tune into our later week episode where we talk about the greatest stadium foods and the Lakers hiring. We appreciate you guys. Uh, See you next week.